Live from the Denver Press Club presents the topic of conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins. I'm Rob Scoggins. I'm your host of the, the topic of conversation. We are right here in the Denver Press Club, the historical Denver Press Club, every Wednesday night, and we're so happy to be here. We thank you for tuning in, and we have a wonderful guest. Uh, thanks to Philosophy Communications and, and the staff of Annie and Jen, or Jen Lester and Annie over there. We thank them for getting involved in the show and being a part of it. This young lady is the CEO. She does so much to, for the city and, and around town. Her company that she uh, runs is Alchemy Strategy Group. Strategy Group. Strategy Group. Does that say right? Okay. Um, she is wonderful. She is going to tell us all about how she helps these wonderful buildings. She is some of these. Some of these companies include and and not to be not not to be uh, not named. But some of them are the city of Denver, Denver International Airport, and Children's Hospital right here. Please welcome to the show, Lois Todd. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Rob. Thank yeah. you. We're so, we're, so, we're so tickled to have you. We're so tickled to have you here because most of your clients are buildings. So, um, <laughs> And there's people in those okay, buildings. that's you know? what it is. Yeah. I, knew, I knew there was a catch. in those buildings. I knew there was a catch. There were buildings, people in the buildings. Got it. Um, and people who want to do great work. In what a fascinating job you have. It's so I mean, amazing. you, you kind of kick people's butt a little bit, don't you? When needed. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. like, hey, you guys go over here, do this. Tell us a little about, um, tell us a little about uh, yourself before we get into everything that you do and all that you've done and are doing uh, for the city of Denver and everything else. Where are you from? I am from Port Huron, Michigan. Whoa. That's where I grew up. And the visual, I know we have a little visual tonight, so people yeah. from Michigan always put up their thumb, their hand, and stick the thumb out so it looks like the state of Michigan. Am I doing right? Port Huron. There oh. you go. Yep. Get okay. it right where, up there. where are you? 90 miles northeast of Detroit. Okay. Right on Lake Huron. Detroit Motor City. That's right. Boy, what a fun town. What a That's fun town I to grow up in. hailed from. 36,000 people. It was a great place to grow oh. up. Right on the water. Moved to Colorado, though, in 1976, so I've been here a long time. Sure. And thought I would really miss the water, you know, out here, but fell in love with the mountains. And Have you ever noticed, I mean, when you go back to Detroit, did you ever realize RoboCop got it right? I mean, <laughs> how did that, yeah, Beverly Hills Cop got it like the how did that Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> no, are you, are you sad for the town? Will it have a resurgence? Will it come back to life? I'm so sad for the town, obviously. Yeah. And obviously, all the water stuff going on in Flint and all. Just yeah. a tough, tough place to it's be. A, right yeah. You know, it's leadership. It? Uh, it, I think uh, it's not just leadership, but I think it comes back to that. And, you know, how do you run your city well? And how do you plan well? And yeah. how do you bring people into community, you know, spirit? And that's a lot of the work that we do at Alchemy Strategy Group is really help organizations. And in this case, like the city of Detroit would be a great client to have, you know, especially with the work that we've done in municipalities. Let's get them. Yeah, let's get them. Yeah. Um, you run the city of Denver. Why not? <laughs> yeah, well... I help. We we help with yeah, the support of um, Mayor Hancock, of who course. is you know an amazing leader. Wonderful man. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to have him on the show. Can you work that out? I'll, I'll ask yeah, him. Like, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but you know. we'll, we'll feed him. Yeah. So they, yeah. I mean, they've they've got a great roadmap. So here yeah. in Denver, one of the things that was so important to Mayor Hancock, I'm not sure if everybody even in the room knows, um, and you know all the listeners is he said before I even get started on doing. I want to understand how we're going to be. Yeah. And so we were so fortunate to um, have done some work with 
the former mayor, now Governor Hickenlooper, and still work with the governor and help him plan and put roadmaps together for the governor. Um, and so then we were able to get introduced to the Hancock um, organization. And when he first got seated, he was like, I want to bring my top team of leaders together. And I really want us to formulate, again, how we're going to be. So This is Hancock saying that. We, yes. And yeah. so we work to help shape, um, facilitate his vision for the city, which still stands and is so powerful. It's we will deliver a world-class city where everyone matters. Isn't that the ideal vision of a leader? They surround themselves with people who are as good or better than them. It, and it's and huge, we have two Rob. we have two men and and women do it too. I'm just saying that the people in office right now are, are are men. It could be women in the future, but they 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 surround themselves with people who are stronger than them, and that just shows good leadership. And is it easier? And you tell me this because you've worked with both of them. Hancock, who is our current who is the current mayor. I li- I don't live here in Denver, but I I, I shook his hand once. Um, <laughs> but and 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 of course Hickenlooper. Is it easier to have a governor who was a mayor? Isn't that neat? I mean, isn't that better for a city? And that's a natural transition almost. You know, from my point of view, yeah. uh, I think it's really helpful for our state and for the city of Denver to continue to flourish. And certainly their philosophies, ideology, core values, vision, um, it definitely have connection, yeah. you know, and links. So that's really helpful. Do you call yourself a Michigander anymore? Oh, you do have the I coolest do. thing you could call yourself besides Bostonian. Michigander is right up there. Was, I know. Was just cool. I kind of lost my hoser accent when I moved out here. <laughs> what did you call? Wait, excuse me. What did you call? A little bit of the hoser accent, hoser? you know, like people from Wisconsin, and you get a little, and the Canadians, and from, oh, being from it. Michigan, you know, yeah. you get a little bit of that. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. gone now. It's gone. All right, yeah. well, that's fair enough. I've been here long enough. <laughs> and, and how's that go? I mean, you're going to, what does it sound like? Yeah, or the North Dakotans, you know, it's like, the, there's the, the, yeah, the vowels seem to like three, you go out, like your mouth goes, um, hello, Rob, how are you? You know, I'm like just that. fine, lowest thought. Like Fargo. I'm not doing it for well. Fargo, I'm, like I'm, they hold the O. I, I can only talk, <laughs> I can only talk here. Uh, so are you Denverite? Denverite is what it's called? Denverite. Like Denverite. Is that yeah, what's called? I'm yeah. a Denverite. I live in Denver. Yeah. I live in Sloan's Lake. You I love go, it. And and you go skiing? Is that? Uh, I'm an avid skier. Yeah. I've got a little place in Winter Park. Do you really? That I go to as often as I can. Party, party, party. Right? Love it. Going there tomorrow. Wow. You know what? Tomorrow's Thursday. <laughs> Thursday night. Oh, I'm taking right. Friday well, off. Well, <laughs> Privilege of being a having initials behind your name, right? Well, and yeah. yeah, you know, you just sculpt your own schedule. Doesn't go, I'm taking Friday off. I'm going skiing. There's powder. And he's going up too. <laughs> Man. I just go up and watch people fall down. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Just watch people ski and fall down. I didn't think uh, I would be an avid skier when I came out here. Well, I water oh, skied, of course. Well, I water skied, though, you yeah. know, because we grew up on the lake. Sure. So, um, it translated. It was cool. Water skiing, snow skiing. So are you big blue or are you green when it comes to Michigan? Michigan oh. State or Michigan? I, I, should I say? Yeah. <laughs> big blue. Big blue. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, huge place. Yeah. Their stadium's massive. It's like a it's like a NFL thing. Yeah, it's I've never huge. been in, but seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a stadium. I will tell you that it's a coliseum, almost bigger than as big as coliseum. The the name of the company. How did they come up with that and pronounce it for for me once again? Alchemy Strategy Group. Yeah, alchemy is turning lead into gold. Really, Ooh. alchemists. Sure. You know, um, being in the Denver Press Club for people who are listening and not in this environment, it's just so 
um, palpable to feel the history here. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and so it does conjure up a little bit of like the old, this, the oldness and the history and the science behind alchemists sure. really working to turn that lead into gold. So we loved that thought because of when you're working with an organization or a team that isn't clear about their purpose um, and what they want to do and what their goals are and how to engage people in that, um, there's issues there. And so there's um, there's interference or there's tension. And so it might be weighty like lead. And then we come in and help refine and polish and remove that in a co-creative way, working with leaders and with teams and with the organization to create what they want to do and help people know that their work matters. Have you always done this? I mean, is this something you've been a passion for, for helping companies find themselves and create themselves, become Um, better? Or what did you do in your youth? Were you you a swimmer? Is that what did it? um, I actually did swim. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. You're very intuitive, Rob. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. When Always moving moving forward, always battling the waves, (laughs) always beaten beaten nature. Yeah. yeah, my mom would throw us in Lake Huron at 7 a.m. for swimming lessons, you know, well, so you had to learn how to swim. <laughs> well, punishment is punishment is fun. Yeah. It was horrible. It was freezing, right? Camp yeah. Mongo Tossie in northern Michigan, you know, it's like the bad memories. Wait, but... what's a Mongo, Mongo Tossie? Oh, it's some oh. little rodent, I think. But... Oh, it's, oh, it's an animal. A mo- that was the name of the camp I went to. Oh, the, camp. the swim camp. <laughs> it's called Mongo, to- Mongo Tossie Swim Camp. Camp Mongo Tossie. Do you think it's still there? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, cares, good right? question, right? But right. the water is still there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, as I mentioned, I moved to Colorado in 1976, and I was a music major at the School of Music at CU Boulder. Oh, really? And What'd then, you play? What'd you play? Um, I sang. Really? Yeah. I have an mm-hmm. AFA Opera. and voice to myself. You do? Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Then I um, transitioned into broadcasting. So I was in broadcasting in yeah. Denver. So good I worked voice, at KBPI, voice. KZY, if you guys remember those radio stations. You know, remember any of the jingles? The Hawk. Um, KBPI rocks the Rockies. <laughs> I was there then. Maybe you misheard me. I said jingle. But that's, um, <laughs> that's a slogan. No, no, that's wonderful. That, and you were them for in the 60s or yeah, 70s? Um, what a yeah. fun time to be on the radio. It was, yeah. Are you I, kidding me? I had a lot of fun in the 80s and yeah. then early 90s. And then. Um, and that's, that's back when, in the day of Wolfman Jack, Casey Kasem. Oh. My and, heroes, you know. Paola. Paola. Uh, you, had, you had Dick Clark, you know. It was really great. Rick I mean, Dees. oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I, we, we could talk for all night about those stories <laughs> and the people that I've met and uh-huh. um, what we did and how fun it was. And then the deregulation happened. And so it got, you know, I think just less creative for me. Sure. So I made a transition after I went back to school and got some additional training in um, this interesting communications technology called neuro linguistic programming. Whoa. I know. Um, so basically trying to understand no through language how you're programmed <laughs> and how you work. Wow. Okay. Um, so this is so that, that 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 program that you just mentioned and I can't pronounce again, that is how you treat people? Is that how people react to you? Or is that is that is that a way to learn people? Is that a way to learn companies and how the dichotomy of a company? Is that what it was? Yeah, it's really this communication technique. So if you break it down, so neuro, our brains and how we're wired and then how linguistics or your language plays a part in the formulation of your programming, okay. um, how you show up in the world, like what is your map of, 
of the world? How do you process, like, you know, we process through pictures, sounds, feelings, tastes, and smells. We probably have a preference, some of us, for visual, auditory, kinesthetic. I mean, we all process through all those things, but to really um, hone in on that and become an expert in it, I just so gravitated to this. And it was an awesome bridge for me out of broadcasting into this work because it led me to my coaching certification, my executive coaching certification and facilitation, which was kind of a nice bridge out of broadcasting because I did a lot of you know, stuff like this. Like and you mean you coaching, stand up, and you you mean know, coaching and, as in people, not sports. Exactly. Yeah, which yeah. is fascinating to me. Yeah, helping people reach their potential yeah. and getting barriers out of the way. And, you know, when people present things that are limiting to them, like limiting beliefs, you hear them, people saying, well, you know, I'm, I don't think I can do that or I'm not good enough or I don't think I can be a great leader or I'm trying to do something. I mean, those are all things that are just wimpy words, sure. you know, and people give that to you and then you go help them deconstruct it and say, well, what would you rather believe? Isn't, Where do you want to go? What do you want? Lois, don't you think it's amazing that we live in a culture and live in a country that we're not the number one in, we're not the number one in medicine. We're not the number one in math. We're not the one, we're not the number one in finance. You know, what we're number one in confidence. We're the number one country in confidence mm. because we raise our children and we tell them from day one, almost out of the womb, you can be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, type of, I mean, that's just a gift right there. Mm-hmm. So it fascinates me by the, by the time we hit uh, 30, uh, 32, we've lost that confidence. Where'd it go? Yeah. And um, then you have to reteach it. And that's yeah. what you do. Or help people recognize that. That's, that is really interesting because some of those values yeah. and your identity and your beliefs um, in this modality of um, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, they get installed by about age eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. So for them to start to wane, you're right, It's you get controlled by certain environments that you go into with bad leadership or organizations that don't know where they're going or people who don't know how to treat people, yeah. right? And then I think that um, eats away a little bit at your confidence, and, sure. and your self-assurance that I can do anything. Or if you've never been on a you winning know? team, athletic-wise. And I can eat into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a veterinarian uh, professor up at CU, uh, at CSU, excuse me, CSU, uh, told me, and, I, and a lot of people go, no, that's not true. But they tell me that a dog or an animal, and that's why we have seven years in a dog's life, they know in, they know in one year what a human child knows in seven. Mm. I mean, th- these animals are born, you know, ready to go. It takes us seven years to learn what a dog knows in one. Yeah. So for for survival. So is that has to do? Are we getting slower? Is our? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't get it. I mean, hopefully, dog years will will stay at seven and not go to eight because we we love having them around. But uh, is the society getting slower? Or are we getting faster? Because um, I've been told we're getting faster, but it seems like we're getting slower. It seems to me like time and space are kind of collapsing. Yeah. Right? How many times have you heard, even in just this week, where people are like, oh, I can't believe it's going to be February already. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if it's slower or faster. Or what we do know is that um, people's brains are being affected by this information age that we're in now. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that there's always some kind of technology usually a phone, <laughs> yeah. very close to us as human beings and sometimes too close to us as human beings. And and lots of research now hoping to unwind some of that, especially for our kids, sure. you know, who are growing up that they're just, you know, attention deficit is 
for sure present in executives and leaders as well. And I don't, and I've said this before, and I've talked to some uh, psychiatrists and psychologists and, and brain doctors and all this stuff. I don't think ADD is, is, a, is a disorder. I think it's an evolution of mankind. We have to be ADD to survive in this culture now. We hold in our hand, no longer is that a phone. Yeah. Because remember back in the 70s, when, you know, that was a phone, a big ass freaking phone. Now it's a computer we hold in our hand mm -hmm. that has a phone in it. I can guarantee we have an audience of about 25 people here. About one of them uses it as a phone. Most of them use it as a computer. They text, they type, they, you know, Google, they met Facebook, they do everything. They call you, you know, they text you and, and, and all that stuff. How do your clients get in touch with you? Do they text? I mean, do you have them texting you? Yeah, it's texting yeah, or email, texting, you know, sure. very very typical. Um, but, you know, I would say that in terms of being um, results-oriented mm -hmm. and really ensuring that your organization, your team, and yourself are really engaged in work, not just work, but life, that you have to use this technology in a way that I believe it's meant to be used, which is as a support to you, yeah. not have it have dominion over you. And um, again, there's a lot of research. There's a best-selling author, David Rock, who wrote Your Brain at Work, and a lot of research and data to support that we cannot multitask. And that's a lot of what this technology is... is um, is becoming almost addictive. And the, the leaders that I work with, especially in the coaching work that I do, is like, let's focus on what's most essential. And a lot of that, you guys, is coming back to presence and connecting with people. And that requires um, changing your habit <laughs> yeah. around this phone or this device or being in your office, trapped answering email and not walking around as a leader, that leadership by walking around to find out what's going on in your organization and connecting with people and asking yeah. them, hey, Rob, what are you working on this week? You know, and how can I support you? And, you know, are your strengths going to work? Are you able to be your best? Like, how engaged are you? You know, like, I want you to be actively engaged because yeah. especially if I'm the CEO of this company yeah. and, and I'm accountable for lots of different things, yeah. you know, the financials and how we're doing. But mostly I want my people to be happy and engaged and know that I care, you know, and how can I do that if I'm stuck behind, you know, a busy, busy, insane schedule, meeting by meeting by meeting, death by meeting. And then I have 150 emails. Death by meeting? Death by meeting. Like, oh. and that, that is so prevalent. What does that mean? I don't live in that world. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that means. What does death by meeting mean? There's, it's very, just, it's really typical that, um, exec, I, I would say from manager level through yeah. like director, vice president, senior vice president to the C-level, oh, CEO, so, yeah. CFO. Many, very typical, and this is typical in, in our work as well, that they arrive at work at 7, the first meeting's at 7.30, the last meeting ends at 5. And they go from back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back meetings, and most of these meetings are non-productive. Work doesn't necessarily get done in them. Sure. The meetings aren't facilitated well. And then, what you know, imagine what happens. I mean, it's probably happened to a lot of the people that are in the room here, then then the overwhelm starts to set in because then you sit down at your desk and it's 5.30 and you're like, you know, crap, I got no work done today. Yeah. And I still have 150 emails to answer. Yeah. 
And so that, I guess, tomorrow I'm going to be on the same, you know, Groundhog Day. Sure. Um, and that just starts so to eat. Me, a, it it yeah. starts to eat away at your, you know, your brain and your productivity and the fact that how could how could I as a leader actually go out and engage with my people because I'm not even healthy myself because I feel so frustrated sure. and overwhelmed. You know, so there's some actual simple tools to think about, but I think it requires you paying attention to what your habits are. Uh, and I, I love another neuroscientist, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He wrote this great book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. <laughs> so cool. it's like, yeah, nice title. Like, stop the patterns. And that's a lot of the work that, that I do. Um, and just helping illuminate patterns for people and saying, is this working for you? <laughs> you I know, love, or not. And if I it's love, not, let's do something different. Get I a different love, result. I love one of your philosophies. Business shouldn't be boring. Is business boring? I mean, you're making money, you're exchanging ideas, you're helping a client out, you're, you know, I mean, the, the, the companies you help, I mean, Children's Hospital, they're at Denver International Airport and, and the city of Denver, they're constantly helping people, getting mm -hmm. to destinations, helping them get healthy, you know, changing their lives. I mean, there is business. Is business boring now? Is it too dull? Because um, I, I see so many people, I don't like my job. There's a lot of people who are very actively disengaged. Yeah. Yeah. Act, um, Gallup organization every year publishes the State of the American Workforce Report. 70% of 100 million American workers surveyed last year are actively disengaged, meaning they're just basically showing up with a little bit of a heartbeat. Uh -huh. So... For many organizations, yes, I would say it's boring okay. and it feels like business as usual. So what we do is we come in and reignite passion. We help clarify purpose. At Children's Hospital, we've been able to be in the organization so grateful for 17 years, yeah. helping them in various pockets, you know, navigate and set strategy, set vision, put execution plans in place, engage people, work with teams to create charters, um, help them learn, you know, coach them to coach, to um, engage their people, um, pay attention to them, care for them. And it's a really creative place. I don't know if um, anybody in the room has been at Children's Hospital Colorado, but isn't it a beautiful environment? Yes. I think every hospital should be like that. And so it is creative in nature. And so how do you how do you pull that out of people so that they feel like when I come to work every day, I know I'm making a difference and I can see it. We're going to get more into that in the second part of the show about more how you deal with these companies and how you get in there and, and change their change their philosophy of way of doing things. But I have, to, I have to ask you this. Don't you think it has to do with clothing? <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's you all about in, the color of yeah, clothing. Yeah, you go, you go into Children's Hospital. It's bright. It's fun. The nurses and doctors are wearing wonderful colors. They're wearing scrubs that kids like. They're wearing Elmo. They're wearing Batman. They're wearing, you know, whatever. That's fun. I feel fun there. Yes. When I go to a normal hospital, they're wearing gray and black and blue and it's walking boring. around like, you want a coffee? I mean, think about it. If we change the colors of what they wear, who knows, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of the visual work that we do that um, we illustrate vision, we illustrate strategy so that we break it down for people. And there's a picture there that you can access and anchor into and have a rich metaphorical story to tell. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of our visual maps around Children's Hospital. And it fits perfectly in that culture because you're right, it's vibrant. 
you look at it and it remember I was talking about NLP and yeah. your visual auditory kinesthetic sure. primarily. So you want to be there. You see you see it, you feel. Yeah. So your kinesthetic gets lit up when you go yeah. in there. You hear the piano playing, or you hear the um, you know, somebody's walking around in the labyrinth and the kids are, you know, yelling and screaming, and then the visual there, it's like eye candy, you know, it's beautiful, it's bright, light. So that's what also what we do is when we illustrate, like it's colorful and your vision and where you want to go, your strategic roadmap come, comes to life. And like there's a story that you can connect people to because they're emotionally connected. My son is now 15. Uh, we did do some things at Children's Hospital here, but we ended up doing his brain surgery at the Children's Hospital in Chicago. Oh, wow. wow. And I felt so comfortable with them, so, so, mm. so welcome, so lovely. And I was like, yeah, do it. Cut open his head. Oh. I was like, well, go for it. And it was love. It looked great experience at Children's Hospital Chicago and the Children's Hospital here. Mm. Uh, just outstanding work that, that those men and women do for us. You keep talking about maps. Now, when yeah. I think of maps, I'm thinking of <laughs> maps. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of Google Maps. I'm thinking of maps that I, I still like maps. I still like looking at road maps um, and, 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 and all that stuff. You're talking about maps in a different way, aren't you? You're not yeah. talking about road maps. You're not talking about global stuff. You're talking about Well, what? think about what does a map help you do? Get somewhere. Yeah. 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 So to and net sometimes it, I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if you had a choice <laughs> in creating your own map, you would then probably want to go there. Do that. Absolutely, um, I would do that. Yeah. So really, you just netted it out beautifully. I mean, that's what our visual illustrations and maps do. Is they and and the team and the organization or the individual actually creates the map we facilitate or guide we're kind of the vessel to pull it all together with them and we pull it out of, of them and then it's theirs and their thumb is, thumbprint on it and they create their it. own yeah i mean you sit there and you tell them to create and you have a few of those on your website right a lot of them yeah. on the website and their website again is once it's alchemystrategy.com yeah and you can go on there folks and, and check it out and see these cool little maps that people have designed themselves for themselves to help themselves What's one of the most unique one you've done recently? Oh, there's so many. Um, I would I would actually go back. Well, there's two that come to mind. Um, when we're talking about Children's Hospital, and you know your the experience that you had there, and I hope your son is okay. He's, he's 15. He's playing fantastic. Played football last year. Broke his arm. And said no more. Oh, <laughs> how about that? Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, he's doing great. Thanks. So your story was really compelling. Uh, the Heart Institute at Children's Hospital Colorado, we worked with, uh, so there was a business problem there. There was a lot of change and turnover in okay. leadership. And where was this again? At Children's Hospital here okay. at the okay. Heart Institute. Okay. And, and this is the one on this side of tracks, not in Highlands Ranch, correct? Correct. Right, yeah, in, in Aurora. Aurora. And so change in leadership. That you can imagine that the employee engagement was starting to go down because people were like, well, we're leaderless and, oh, great, we got another change in leadership and we don't have a vision. We don't know where we're going. We don't have a roadmap. I don't even know how I feel connected here, even though so many people are connected to the, the Children's Hospital mission, why they do the work there, why they want to work there. Um, things were eroding pretty rapidly there. So, we came in and said, all right, how can we first work with the leadership team to get them galvanized, chartered up, 
um, have them decide where they want to go. And then a big engagement strategy where we would we did town halls and um, got the voices facilitated and ideas facilitated from about 150 people in the Heart Institute. Wow. So listening to people when you know they're um, apathetic and frustrated is a you know is sure. a good thing. But then you also have to facilitate ideas and in, in order for them to believe and that things are going to change. Ideas. That's a lot. Yeah, so we we sketched. So a lot of what we do is iterative kind of um, illustrations before we come to this final visual map. So in this case, we did a series of town hall meetings and captured this stuff and then synthesized things and got these common themes and then played around with a couple of metaphors, universal metaphors that everybody can really get, uh, get around. So for the Heart Institute, they came up with a metaphor of an orchestra. I like that. And because of the precision of what they have to do there. The heartbeat? Yeah. And then catch this, Rob. In one of these sessions, it was that golden aha moment. There was a clinical coordinator in the Echo Lab uh, in the Heart Institute who said, you know what? This is so cool. Like, it's like we're orchestrating miracles. Oh, I love that. And that became their tagline for the Heart Institute. It was on their lanyards. Uh-huh. It, it became like a branding campaign. You so know? not the metronome. It became something <laughs> different. I love that. And the illustration then showed all of their strategic goals, their vision. Children's Hospital here in Colorado, they have the logo of the ballooned boy. Yeah. And so the balloon boy actually was the conductor on the map. Uh-huh. And on the musical notes are going out of their spelling, orchestrating miracles. Mm. And that that actually turned into... An amazing story of a campaign that created um, this this cohesiveness for uh, the whole Heart Institute. And what year was that? This was five years ago. So 2010, 2011, somewhere there, yeah. And so these maps are big maps, like four foot by eight foot hanging up in the Heart Institute. And then, of course, we can reduce them in size. People have eight, 11 by 17s at hanging, you know, in their offices and in their cubes to remind them of the direction that they're going, why they're there doing the work they're doing. They put these in the, in their family room. So when the um, when families come in for like a consult or even prior to their surgery or their procedure, they go into this really special room mm-hmm. where their care team, including the physician, comes in and they have coloring books that are made out of the um, orchestra. And they talk to the families using the visual maps as a communication tool to say, this is what we're doing here. This is what the Heart Institute is about. And we're going to orchestrate a miracle for you and your son, you know, or you and your daughter. You're pulling at my heartstrings. Like, who wouldn't want to have their procedure done there? Like what you said Absolutely. in Chicago. Crack, crack open his brain. Go ahead. I, I feel very trustful. See? like Bust him open. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and to boot, like and, and the and top I, doctors, the, the top physicians work there. <laughs> yeah, so, of course. You, know, you also you. have trust in the fact yeah. that there's data there's to support unbelievable. that they're the top physicians. And, and Ronald McDonald House was influential, and so was Coles for Kids. And I, just a wonderful experience mm. at Children's Hospital. And I know they do a lot of stuff uh, here with Ronald McDonald House as well. And it's yeah. just, and Coles for Kids. And just a wonderful organization. When we come back, we're going to find out what 22 Presenter is. We're going to find out a little bit more about bedside manners and how she's teaching doctors how to do more better bedside manner and stuff like that. We also want to thank Philosophy Communications for putting all this together for us. We'll be back right after the break. Consider joining the Denver Press Club, which offers a relaxing atmosphere of camaraderie and creativity and serves as the hub for Denver's media, public relations, and communications community. It's the nation's oldest press club, with the first organized meeting held in 1867 and with the club making its home at 1330 Glenarm Place since 1925. 
please visit our website at denverpressclub.org to find out all the great things that are happening throughout the week, month, and year. We're open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Come by and see us. Before we come back, I just want to remind you that Zing Tea is the official drink of the Top of Your Conversation. Anytime you are here at the Denver Press Club on a Wednesday night for the show, uh, you can just ask Jen or Jason up there for a Zing Tea on me. Try a Zing Tea on me. If you want some spirits in it, then that's not on me. You, but you can have a free Zing Ting on me anytime you're here on a Wednesday night <laughs> during the show. Just ask the bar staff uh, here and uh, ask for a Zing Tea and you can have it on me. Here at the Denver Press Club, me, you, and Zing Tea. A free one from me and you. All right? Have a Zing Tea on me, Rob Scoggins. I hope you see you in the audience sometime in the near future on a Wednesday night having a Zing Tea on me. The Zing Tea of the month is green tea with mango and pure cane sugar. We want to thank the Laban brothers over at New Age Beverage and Zing Tea for being a part of the program. Tonight, we're having a great time. We are learning about strategical groups and how... Um, <laughs> how it all works and how it all how it all's put together and how the maps are put together and and just everything that Alca, um, alchemy strategic group does and we have ceo lois todd here on the show teaching us about this wonderful things that she does for the city of denver and all the great companies that she works for now we have talked about lois and welcome back how are you great good Thanks, having Rob. a good time yeah yes? i love it good. thank you so much oh, for having me on your having show having a tonight. blast having a blast um the city of Denver, uh, Denver International Airport and Children's Hospital are obviously three of the bigger bigger bubbles that you help. Uh, what are some of the smaller ones that you assist as well? Um, we love working in the nonprofit, you know, organization space. So Girls Inc., they're national. Um, they, they help empower um, young girls. There's also, um, it's, it's a nonprofit that, you know, I think people are just starting to know about it's actually president obama's alliance called my brother's keeper okay so we're doing work with that my brother's keeper is their purpose is to um empower the potential in young men and boys of color and it's really uh, my heart's work i love 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 the work uh that we're doing as as a part of mayor hancock's initiative here but again it's tethered to President Obama's initiative, the My Brother's Keeper Alliance. Do you want to share a little bit work. of what, what's going on? Or? Um, yeah, here in Denver. Well, it was um, a little over two years ago, about just about two years ago, that President Obama sent out a call to leadership, primarily mayors across the country, to um, take a look at this important work. And he asked them to read the task force report that was put together by um, a group that he convened, including um, Colin Powell and and others, and they the re, the reports found that you know if there's if primarily if there is a caring mm-hmm. adult in the lives of some of these young men um, and boys of color, that all kinds of good things can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, m- many more positive outcomes can happen. Um, for instance, they, you know, wouldn't even get on a path to being in a gang or, um, you know, getting into the juvenile justice system. And if they were in the juvenile justice system and repeated some patterns that were, you know, happening in their family system for a long, long time, then um, recidivism rates would, you know, not be as as bad in, in cities across the country because of some of the work that... Um, that he wants to do. So 
Um, Mayor Hancock, of course, stood right up and uh, answered that call to leadership and said, Mm -hmm. my city is going to embrace the My Brother's Keeper work. And this is now, we're now in our second year of this work. Um, The first year um, we, and are still doing this pro bono um, for the city because it's, we always have a pro bono client at Alchemy Strategy Group. And this is um, work that's really, really, really important. Mm -hmm. And education is a big piece of this, of course, as you can imagine. So working with DPS, Denver Public Schools, and getting a um, really robust mentoring program happening here in Colorado uh, and working. One of the really cool things that's going on in the city and county of Denver is with this initiative, My Brother's Keeper, is the Denver Police Department is working to um, mentor and connect with young men and boys of color in, in our Denver community. And they're going through training together, like emotional intelligence training and communication training. And this stuff just make, it makes you cry. You just go, wow, like this, we need to do way, 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 way more of this yeah, work. That's good you stuff. Know? So. It's wonderful. Second year of it. And for the girls, what is that one? Girls Inc. Um, similarly, um, you know, girls that uh, are in, basically their sweet spot is in the range of like seven to eighth graders, like middle sure. school okay. girls, also high school girls. A lot of change going on there. Yeah, a lot of programs for um, after school so that the girls literally have a place to convene, either continue, you know, even just to do their homework sure. or um, learn additional skills, never fall back in their learning, you know, curve, sure. just, you know, get mentoring help, um, and go on programs and retreats and feel supported, you know, by the programs there as well as volunteers. I, I got involved in that actually, I don't know, 20 years ago when I just volunteered and then I became a client. Have you sent anybody to the camp, the Walla Walla? Swim camp up camp, in Michigan. Camp Mongo Tassi. Any of the girls? No, <laughs> not yet. That's okay. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's still there. So let's get back to the 22 um, percenter. What's that? So um, we philosophy communication. Um, these guys are great. So I I read Harvard Business Review as a consultant. It's one of the I'm glad someone the things yeah. I know that you just have at your bedside is sort of a, it, I mean, it's a, sort of a have to, and there's a lot of really good stuff no, I'm in sure. there. So um, I landed on this thing about 22% and the, the actual, um, the actual quote from Harvard Business Review is in one of their many research surveys, they found that only 22% of workers reported having a leader who communicates a vision that is clear, consistent, and inspiring. So these guys who are the geniuses at philosophy communication said, okay, we're going to create like a little campaign around this and call yeah. it the 22 percenter and like go, are you a 22 percenter? And like, nobody wants to be a 22 percenter. You don't want to be that kind of a leader. So why not be the 78 percent leader who actually does set an inspired shared vision and co-creates a strategic plan that is simple, it's meaningful, it emotionally collects people, emotionally connects people to purpose. And that's what we do. Love it. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, <laughs> is mapping new? Is mapping new, unique? Is it something that, that, that your group came up with or, or, or are you guys making it better? Um, mapping is not new. Okay. It was really born out of mind mapping. Hmm. If any of you've heard that from um, really... The, some of the audience is going yes the, and the, some are going what the, the 70s. Heck? 
Yeah. And you know, here's the deal, you guys. Every we can all draw. We know how to draw. So, so uh, most of you guys probably, as you lead and facilitate meetings, use whiteboards and you know try to make make connections for people and use flip charts and and it's a great way to use a different modality to again connect people and help break down complexity because people can see it um they can see it they can hear it and they can feel it and so when you got more modalities at work then you're more available to like go okay cool yeah that's where we want to go and yeah. then it creates common ground so it was kind of born out of mind mapping mm-hmm. and then doodling and so but what we've done is the way in which we use illustration we call it strategic visualization or strategic illustration because like we do strategy we do vision so it's a business process sure. and um while we may doodle and also encourage always people like in our facilitations um even today this morning i did a facilitation at children's hospital and um First thing, you know, 6.30 this morning, I'm getting paper out on the tables and markers and toys and like, okay, let's get creative here. And, you know, you guys draw. And we were setting their clear purpose for this team. And and like, you gotta, you guys got to figure this out and then we'll we'll get all the raw material and, and then voila, we came up with something great. You yeah. know? But uh, So then what we're going to do there is take their great work, their great, great creative work and actually put a metaphor to it and have the the business language and the business strategy and their clear purpose statement and their decision making model on this visual map so then then it's this visual reminder of the agreements that they made on that day and it's and it's their um they they use it to steer their work because they can go remember these are the three strategic goals we came up with today here's how we decided we were going to communicate with each other here's our clear purpose and their metaphor today that just emerged and again it's universal we like to work with universal metaphors um so that everybody can find themselves in it was um this tree they kept coming back to well really like the core stuff we do is like a tree trunk and then we've got these six entities and they're like the branches. And then everybody was having fun with it. And people were like, oh, are there butterflies in there? Or where's the <laughs> owl? And so it was, I mean, it like came from them, right? So it's meaningful to this group now. And it was great because it just emerged from them. And then we draw it. I love it. And then it gets produced and it's colorful. And they have, like I said, this big version, their electronic version. We animate this stuff now too. So that it's not just a static picture. Um, you can roll over it. Things come to life, like your your dog could oh come God. to life yeah. and bark, and you know, yeah. tell a story about how for, how engaged he is as an employee in the organization. For, for our younger <laughs> listeners, if you can imagine what Disney does on their storyboards, that's kind of the idea yeah. that they do, but they do it for adults, and it's kind of it's kind of unique and kind of cool and kind of neat. How important how important are words to you? Very important. Yeah. What's what's the I like the word amazing. I do. I think it's overused. I do too. You know, I probably I, said it too many you know, times. I, I think a birth of a baby is amazing. The sunrise is amazing. Maybe the ski powder is amazing. But your salad last night is not amazing. It's not. I mean, the salad was good. He had a nice salad. He didn't have an amazing salad. So, and we 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 see it in commercials where you know cheer is more improved. It's gotten better. It's new and it's the same thing. It hasn't changed. So how important are words when you guys are discussing them and when the meeting's behind them? Because, my God, that's that's half your job. Thanks for asking that. Uh, I, they're 
so important. And they have to be um, resonant for the people that um, need to embrace them, want to embrace them. Um, so I'll go back to Mayor Hancock's vision of we will deliver a world-class city where everyone matters. In constructing that, they could have used some just mundane words. Yeah. Um, we'll do a good city you that know, does good things. Yeah, you know, or we're gonna we or we're gonna promote or provide or support. Those, those are kind of wimpy. Yeah. Those are wimpier words. Yeah, and they don't like get your juices going and create the passion and spark. So there was heated debate about the last two words in there, like everyone matters. So in the work that we do, especially what were some in other one, What are some other two words that were being used? Do you remember? I know it's a while ago. Because um, everyone matters is, is great and it sounds right. I think it was something around where um, great people live. Something like that. It was great. Great. Um, but so is so is Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, yeah. So th those words don't inspire people. You no. want the words to inspire people, and you want you you got to take a stand. Yeah. And and then they have to be easy to remember. And so these that, those last two words were so important to Mayor Hancock that you know it, it was the showstopper because he's gets to make the final decision, of but um, he enjoyed the spirited debate from all the different points of view in the room, and people were worried. Oh, you know, that's, well, some people aren't going to like that. Well, that means that you're going to be all-inclusive, and at the end of the day, he said, words matter to me, and everyone matters to me, and that's the core of his value system, and so that's why you we, like even this morning in this team, it took a while to get to their um, their true purpose statement. And sometimes it's really, it feels arduous for people. And people are like, really, we got to wordsmith this. You know, we don't, we don't wordsmith to hell because yeah. sometimes you don't go down a rabbit hole and then it takes way too long. Um, sometimes you do have to let it sit a little bit. But um, I, I just, I'm, I'm really, really a strong believer in, in those words. And if people aren't like lit up. Yeah buy it then then i'm like all right table it we're we're not in, until everybody's lit up about this the you're we're not leaving <laughs> have you ever dug in and how long is that process i mean you're wonder woman almost you walk in there with your staff <laughs> and your crew uh kind of like kind of like me but totally different um you you walk in there and you say this is what we're going to do how long is that process from the day you you set up time with that with that with that staff or however you mm -hmm. or, or department as you call it or, or whatever to to become what the the, the symphony of, of healing of what they were doing that process with the heart institute at children's mm -hmm. because we wanted to convene those 150 voices and, yeah. and do some town halls that took a couple months yeah typically a team like mayor hancock's or a team like this morning there was a team of 20 it took us a couple hours. A couple hours. That's it. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, really? it doesn't have to be like a couple. It doesn't have to be a think tank for thing. months, no, right? No, no. And I that that's just a belief of mine. I love. That. And I think we have a great process. Yeah. We have an amazing process. Amazing. Okay, oh, that works. <laughs> yeah, that could be amazing. A process, maybe. No, it's no, really okay. it's a transformative process, honestly, and it's it mostly is about um, having people get in touch with what they care deeply about. What's next for Denver International Airport, DIA? Is it is their slogan going to be, we, we'll get you there when we want to? Or? 
We might get you there. Here's my opt-out. They're not a current client of ours. Oh, they're not. <laughs> we okay. have worked with them in the okay. past. But they're not so. current? I'm not sure what Kim Day, who's a great leader yeah. out there, um, and and Stacey Stegman and that top team are are, uh, are up to. But, the, you know, part of Mayor Hancock's visual map, which is on our website, by the way, yeah. uh, is all of the vision back when he was he first took office is depicted in the in the graphic illustration and so the airport city yeah. that is all part of what is going on out by, by dia that's all illustrated in there with the transformation of the stock show is in there um creating more urban gardens you know in denver okay. uh or, you know is in, is in the map so it's kind of cool to look back on it now and go oh wow all this stuff is actually coming to fruition <laughs> now we've talked we, we everybody knows about doctors without borders right what about doctors in our borders? What's mm-hmm. going on with the with the men and women? They are in some, some, under so much stress. They're under so much duress, it seems. It, it seems like once they get out of university and out of their med schools, they go straight into, you know, chaos, it seems. And, and a lot of doctors and nurses, men and women alike, they, they, they seem to move around a lot. Yeah, What's going a, on in our medical profession there? Yeah, well, I mean, everybody um, who you know, is alive in the U.S. knows that, I think, you know, this healthcare reform in our country is, um, let's call it a work in progress. Um, And what it means primarily for um, physicians and those healthcare providers, including nurses and administrators and others in these hospital, hospital systems now, um, is that they have to become more accountable mm. to the care they deliver, the safety, the environment, and who they are. Yeah. So you had mentioned before the break, the kind of bedside manner. Um, sure. And, you know, because of all of these new accountabilities, like literally not get, they're not going to be able to get reimbursed and paid you know, by insurance companies, at least how healthcare reform is now. Again, it is a work in progress and I think it is going to get better. We have to be patient and let it, you know, work out a lot of the kinks, even though we're five year plus in to the account of, um, the Affordable Care Act changes, which have been really massive and sweeping primarily yeah. for the people providing care. Yeah. Um, but because of all these new accountabilities, um, physicians in particular are not equipped as you just said, yeah. like the, you, some physicians don't, they, they're not even really starting to practice until they're 30 years old. Correct. You know, and they didn't learn how to be operations people, financial people, quality people, population, health management people, IT managers, talent managers. It's not their job. In school, right? And so this is what they're being asked to do in many, many settings. Do or you know why they're piece, being asked to do this? A why? piece of that. Their job is to do surgery you know, if they're if their their job is to be dedicated to the brain or heart or leg or whatever part of the body they dedicate themselves to, mm-hmm. why are we asking them to manage? That's yeah. not their job. It's the new frontier. Um, okay. It is part of what is this whole, uh, you know, uh, being part of an accountable care organization and moving toward, you know, um, I hope in my life toward a place where um, it's there. There's no word care. It's really just health. Yeah. And that that everybody is actually accountable for their own health and well-being and that they know how to tap into the services. So mindset shifts still need to happen, including, you know, physicians. And so there are actually 
you know, true peer clinicians, as you just described. And um, and thank God that that is a lot of what, you know, these guys wanted to go to school for and their mission and is to heal and be a and healer. And they take the Hippocratic Oath to do healing. They don't mm-hmm. take the Hippocratic Oath to do files and, and, and manage and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's taking shape in many hospital systems is the understanding that we do need that somebody really who is that peer clinician and um, and then also how do we develop a pipeline and develop people in, in the system who can be clinician leaders and have some protected time, people who want to still practice, but maybe you don't want to do that 100% of the time sure. because it may be leading to some burnout. So how can I learn some of these new leadership skills and, you know, become that clinician leader and really contribute at a different level in, you know, in the organization. And, um, and that's part of what our healthcare leadership Academy does is we help develop physician leaders, nurse leaders, administrative um, leaders to deal with the sweeping changes that are going down right now um, with healthcare reform. And, the the uniqueness in our program is we're taking something that, especially with the Physician Leadership Development Program, we're working at Rose Medical Center right now here, oh, which is in Denver, um, Colorado, uh, part of the Health One system. And we're working with their 10 medical chairs. And one of the things that's really important to these guys is their culture of safety. And as you can imagine, I mean, as a physician, it's like the that is paramount. Sure, people are so <laughs> people are so crazy. Are you kidding me? Right, yeah. um, and they really feel like, in many ways, their voice hasn't been heard in some of the things that sort of you know come on down sure. from administration to them. You know, sure. um, you know, we're being told to do these things, or we're being told that like a pharmaceutical company has dominion over some of the things that we want to do here. You know, it's just it's. Can I swear? No. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, it really is bullshit. Go ahead. Um, and so that I mean, that's a lot of what those guys are dealing with. So it's like, well, how do how can we help support them to get to get more control about what they care about in a culture of safety and take an initiative like timeouts in the operating room? Yeah, which they really want. It's it's a physician led initiative now, and there's going to be some standardized procedures and. You know, adverse events happen in hospitals, and so now these guys are after this, and they're like learning how to do change management, right. and learning how to communicate with the nursing staff, engaging others. I think the cool. problem is, and, and and for me, my father was a dermatologist. Uh, Virginia Commonwealth University is where I went, along with MCV being a part of that Medical College of Virginia. There is a class that the doctors have to take. It doesn't matter what type of doctor they're going to be. They have to take it, and it's taught by the drama department. I love that. It's taught. They're taught how to be fun. Yes. It's called fun. I think it's not, think it's not called fun, but I mean, it is a, to them, it's a fun class. My father was describing it to me. Uh, now, he didn't have to take it, but the, 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 you know, the kids in, in school do. Another thing is, when it comes to this, I think the, the image on television that humans see from you know, young age, teenagers, girls and boys, all the way to adulthood, we see these Grey's Anatomy. We see these ER... You know, ER ran for 12 years. We see Chicago Hope, Nurse Jackie, General Hospital. We see these (laughs) actors. Of course, they're beautiful, right? Not some of them. George Clooney. I don't know if if you've seen Code Black. Not everybody's that pretty. But I mean, we see there's so many medical dramas. Yeah. And these are wonderful, caring people who know what they're doing right on the spot. Boom, boom, boom. Takes 45 minutes to save a life and we're done. 
That's not in real life. And I think we're so impressed by that, by media and television and, and the way things work. And that we're, we, have a, we, have, we have a medical drama every night of the week now. Did you know that? Um, every night of the week we have a medical drama, whether wow. it be Chicago Fire, all the way to, you know, Hope something or Hope floats or somebody does something or somebody's anatomy. We see this on television mm-hmm. and we expect that when we go to the hospital. No. Yeah. And that's not fair. And it's not fair to the doctors, it's not fair to the nurses, it's not fair to the admission staff to think that they're Grey's Anatomy. Are you making out with him? <laughs> no. Um, so do you think that has something to do with it or am I stretching it? Well, I think, I mean, no, I don't think you're stretching it. I think, I mean, people are people. Yeah. I mean, and then, and one of the initiatives going down at Children's right now is how do we care for the people who care for the people? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, doctors make the worst patients from what I've heard. There's a, that came out of a medical journal recently. It was like 30% of um, physicians are highly burnt out, tons of compassion fatigue. Um, Probably that travels to some substance abuse. You know, it's just like. Some deal with death and dying all the time. Exactly. And. Every day. And we, and they see it and they, Mm -hmm. and they live it and, and it's, it's hard on them and, and you're helping them. You know, you're, you're curing the people who cure us, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Is that your newest passion for your for your for your strategy group? Is that? Yeah, healthcare. We've been more deep and broad in healthcare in the last six seven years, having done a lot of primary work for over fifteen at Children's, as I mentioned sure. earlier. Uh, and you know, Rob, I I I love working with physicians. I they you know. I've worked with hundreds of physicians now, yeah. and and th- this is my point of view. So it's a, it's a generalization. It sounds like a generalization, but it's Please. coming from my heart. They um, they are true healers, and when they get in touch with that that part of them, and they let that vulnerability seep out just enough, you know, a lot of it does happen when they do connect with the patient and the family, um, and then we help them tap into that, like. You can do that with your care team. You know, you can do that with your administrator. It's okay, and it's okay to say you don't know how to read a financial spreadsheet. For God's sakes, you know, yeah. like you're right. You're not. That's not your primary thing to do. And they're supposed um, to be the strong person in the room. Yeah. And, and sometimes a nurse or a doctor needs a hug. My my uh, ex wife now asked me why am I giving a gift to the doctor, my surgeon, for my son. Oh. She goes, Why are we doing this? I said, Because. He just saved my, our son's life. Right. And they are not thanked enough. They That's have a right. very thankless job. And one thing I hope you and I could do together, maybe, with the press club, with this audience, with Jen Lester and Annie over at Philosophy Communication, let's do an award show for them. Oh. No one's ever done it. What a great idea. You know, we do it. We're, gonna, we're, we're about to go through, you know, Screen Actors Guild Awards coming up this weekend. The Oscars, Oscars. which no one cares about anymore, coming up. <laughs> Okay, we're going to give awards for people who play doctors on movies. Why don't we give them to the real people? You know, who's not going to want to be a doctor then? Who's not going to want to be a nurse then? Administrator, we're not going to give you an award. We don't care what you're doing. We care that you're saving lives. Yeah. I am more impressed. I was more impressed than meeting that, that, that brain surgeon yeah. who has saved at least 15 to 25 children's lives than meeting John Elway who, okay, whatever he's done, right? Yeah. Way oh. more. When when the when the physicians get in touch with you know this this site I mean and they start telling you stories that um, it, it it it's all about what 
the that they still have the thank you card yeah. or they still have the rock yeah. or they still have the picture that the you know the the kid drew for them yeah i mean that's that's what matters speaks volumes doesn't it how can people find you how can people get in touch with you if they want to get their small independent company involved with you and and help get make some maps how can they find you um thanks for asking rob so um it's alchemy strategy group and we are headquartered here in Denver, and the website is alchemystrategy.com. And if they want to give you accolades for being on the show, they can find you on Facebook and all that good stuff. Yes, you out there? LinkedIn. All the uh, everything. Todd yeah, you on, are you on Twitter? Too. Lois I'm, Todd I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm not a big tweety person. That's okay. I, I I'm like, not a tweety I like, bird. I'm a big Sylvester fan myself. <laughs> so <laughs> it is now time for Rob's Fast Five Questions. Are you ready? Ooh. All right, here we go. If you could pick a company right now in the United States of America, and if it's if it's the city of Detroit, which we've talked about at the beginning of the show, that's fine. Who do you want to help next? Who do you think you could help the most right now? City, company. Um, or who I would really most like to work for, no. maybe? Like, yeah, sure. Um, Throw that in there. Congress. Really? <laughs> like United States Congress? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> What type of what type of map would they get? Um, it would be a coming together. Let's sing Kumbaya map. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, and, and I'm just I'm just going to which point. is unrealistic at the moment, but I, we would, would get there. I would like to point out, you know, I would like you. I like if you did this thing for Congress, which is a great idea, and you have you have the accolades, you have the. You have the you have I the worked, resume to do this, by the way. We worked with the DNC yeah, I mean, when they I mean, came you, to town. You definitely have the resume. Cool. I'd like you to do a map to show them how many of them did not serve in the military. How many of them went straight to law school, out of law school, into politics? Most of them have no clue on what it's like to live in the real world. Show them a real world map. Show them what it looks like. Walk That's in these shoes. Walk in map. these shoes map because they don't know because they have never. Mo I mean, eighty percent of them have never been in the military. Most of them have never wanted for anything. <laughs> excuse me, wanted for anything. They went straight into their Ivy League law school, straight into Congress, straight into uh, Senate and, and all that good stuff. But man, you could do it. I mean, your your resume and helping out a couple of cities out here, you you could do it. You got to promise me you'll try. I'm going to. Okay. I, I really want to work with President Obama. So. Well, he's, he's he'll, need my help. Dream. he'll need help when he's done. Right. I mean, he's got he's still be, he's a young guy. He's like 53, 54 years old. He's yeah, still got a lot I, of life left. You know, I think part of what we know through my brother's keeper initiative is mm -hmm. that, and the alliance that he's formed is that that will be part of his post-presidential sure. work. Not sure if it'll be sort of like a Clinton global initiative for sure. him, but um, I think it'll be a big part of what he's going to need a library. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, uh, it's probably in Chicago though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, not a bad place to live. When uh, we're, we're coming into a political race, you know, it's pretty big. And uh, obviously the, if um, if you're tuning in right now and coming up in the United States, we have a caucus. It starts on Monday. So that's really when it all kicks off, right? Who needs the most help? Who who could use your strategic group's help out of all the candidates? You can pick Democrat, Republican, I don't care, whoever. Who needs help? <laughs> Who's not presenting themselves well? Who is not speaking well? Who needs a freaking map? <laughs> um, I would say all, this is my political say all the above, I don't um, well, I, I think the map that would be really interesting to do for all of the candidates is... Yeah. And then we're um, talking both, both sides, right? Yeah. Ill everybody. Illustrate right. where um, the gaps are. You know, where, where, where are the perceived gaps from the American people and what they stand for? Mm. 
and and use you know definitely not have it all theoretical have some data in there but be like you know here's here's really what Ameri- the american people want um here's what you're espousing here's what's sort of true about what you're saying sort of the fact check stuff and then here's the delta that would be a really great map to do sure and help them like get some awareness about the fact that this is not working is there an idea that you could do that on your website and we could just send it to their campaign managers? Um, you know, we, we actually did some of this just stuff with some in the, politicians in the past. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> we've, we've, we've done something similar or we've taken an initiative that we care about, um, Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign. Mm-hmm. We created, that's on the website too. Um, no, actually it's not Jen and Annie. We got to put it up there. Um, that's to, to help break down what this really means, the Let's Move campaign. Yeah. You know? So we just did it and sent it to her. Lois, you know? Todd, Lois Todd, what's your favorite dessert? Um, Mexican chocolate ice cream. What? <laughs> what? There's such a thing? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, do you, where do you get it? Little, do you know where Little Man ice cream is in the Highlands here in Denver? Yes. I know. It's, yes. Yeah, the milk bottle thing. The milk bottle. Yeah. yeah I love them because they always give back. You know, there's always something mm-hmm. that they get back to. So they make the killer Mexican chocolate so ice cream. What, 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 how do you do that? You do, what, do you, what is it? You go and buy pints of it or gallons of it. No, but what is it? it? What is, have, I mean, <laughs> what's the difference between Mexican? I know the difference between Mexican oh, oh. Mexican Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola. What's the difference between Mexican, our chocolate ice cream, um, USA chocolate ice cream and theirs? The way these guys make it, it has like a kick to it. Like there's cinnamon and I think maybe some cardamom in there. And it's really <sighs> just... Um, rich, like it just hangs in your mouth. You're making big guy hungry. Yeah, okay. I'll get you. I'll get. We'll go on a little man ice cream date. Oh, oh yeah. Get Are some you Mexican kidding? chocolate ice cream with caramel. I'm there, <laughs> done. No, hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> when it comes to your life and, and and what you've done, I mean, you had. I mean, folks, if you had, you need to Google this lady because she's done a lot of stuff. Um, what are you most proud of? Um, I am most proud of my family. I have three stepkids and um, and they all have three children. So there's nine grandchildren. I have a 15-year-old grandchild. These are stepchildren from that. Uh, they're not my, they're stepchildren. <laughs> um, people are looking at me like, you can't, that's You're not, not that, possible. That's no, I'm not that old. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm most proud of that, my family. That's wonderful. And, yeah. And everybody that's surrounded me and my family. Have you ever wanted to slap someone? And if you have, who'd you do? <laughs> um, no. Here, here's where you know, you know I'm just going to do the political thing. Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so you haven't slapped anybody, but you want to slap him. What do you want to when after you slap him? What did you What would you tell him? And would you slap his? You know, just boom. <laughs> would you Would you put the rings like this and go boom, or would you just do? Yeah. You just, yeah. Um, well, well, you know what yeah. I would say to him. Remember, we were talking about words matter. Yeah. Like. Well, I'd slap Sarah Palin too. Like, I don't understand you. Yeah. Did you go to school? You know, can you put together a sentence that is, you know, is tactfulness not in your DNA? Yeah. You know, and he, the absolutes, you you know, having this linguistic um, training, uh, yeah, I mean, the, these, the absolutes that, that um, Mr. Trump uses are, you know, everything, you, I'm, I always went, you know, like everything's, so absolute and um and you know the the egocentricness yeah. is um a little off so slap to me. him and wake him up right lose your lose your ego dude yeah and your, then who would you be doer, yeah i love it thank who are you, you thank you so much for being on the show thank you, you. you've been an absolute joy uh, what you do for the city and 
and everything else is amazing, and we thank you because it is amazing. Um, <laughs> we want to thank you again for being here. We want to thank again uh, Jennifer Lester and Annie from Philosophy Communications for helping us put all this together, and, um, and best of luck, and we'll be watching you. Okay? Thank you, Rob. And let's do that Physician Award show. Absolutely. I'm serious about that. Yeah, I'm serious about that. We will be the first of its kind, the Colorado Physician Award Show, and we will put that together. Folks, again, thank you so much for being here and being a part of the um, being part of our live audience. Of course, I couldn't do the show without my incredible crew and staff. They are outstanding. They keep the show going. They keep me up and going. They keep themselves up and going, and we just do it week in and week out every Wednesday night here at the Press Club. I want to thank Will, my director, producer, and great chief editor. He just does an outstanding job. I hope you like what you listen to. My IT director, he does a lot of editing as well with Will, Matt, and of course Chantel, who does a lot of our uh, marketing work for us. Mancho from Cameroon, who does all our AV stuff for YouTube. And of course, our wonderful executive producer, Mariah Weiss, who keeps us all tame and, and together as a unit. And uh, we cannot do this without the Denver Press Club either. The Denver Press Club hosts us every week. I'm a proud member and uh, very happy that we are here every Wednesday. And I want to thank the staff. Carmen, the general manager. Bruce Goldberg, the president of the club. And of course, the staff here, Mark and Will, uh, the best bartenders and cooks around. So if you are in the Denver metro area, come by and see us on Wednesdays. We'd love to see you. Listen, talk, love, and wake up with a purpose every day to do something good. And you just might be right down here with us in downtown Denver at the Denver Press Club as our topic of conversation. Thank you and good night.